Thank you for downloading a sermon from the Chapel of the Cross. The Chapel of the Cross is a welcoming, growing, and historic Episcopal Church in Madison, Mississippi. I hope you will join us on Sundays for worship at 7.30 a.m., 8.45 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m., with Sunday school for all ages at 10 a.m. I also invite you to connect with the chapel online at chapelofthecrossms.org. Again, thank you for downloading this sermon. We pray it will enrich your walk with Christ. God bless you, and we look forward to welcoming you and your family to the Chapel of the Cross. Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. In our bookcases at home, amid favorite novels and beloved knickknacks, four books stand at the heart of our home library. A Bible, a dictionary, a thesaurus, The presence of a thesaurus raises the question, is there a synonym for the word thesaurus? (laughs) I digress. A Bible, a dictionary, a thesaurus, and Emily Post's etiquette. Inside the etiquette, the etiquette, please, mind your manners, we find meticulously cataloged the correct use of names and titles, Official forms of address, dress codes, invitation wording, dining etiquette, and wedding planning. However, in the most recent edition, the 18th, which includes contributions from Mrs. Post's great-great-grandchildren, also tackles some of the 21st century most burning questions, such as, do I have to respond to every email and text? When is it okay to unfriend someone on Facebook? If I'm in the middle seat of an airplane row, do I automatically get both armrests? Is it wrong for the bride and groom to tweet at their own wedding? The universe is truly on tenterhooks waiting for these answers. Here in Mississippi, we and our mamas before us and their mamas revel in social intricacies. We want to be polite. We enjoy being hospitable. We are honored to pay our respects. We are ennobled by doing the right thing. And when someone falls short, we are duly scandalized. Now, sometimes our scandalization can devolve into clutching our proverbial pearls, and we forget to be gracious and kind. But good manners are important, I believe. For at the root of any discipline of decorum is our call to love our neighbor as ourself. And if that rule is at the heart of our endeavors, then all shall be well. Now, what does this have to do with the good news, you might ask? A very good question indeed. In today's Gospel from Matthew, we hear the parable of the wedding feast. In this parable, the king gives a wedding feast for his son. Now, this is a huge deal, a wedding feast. And not only any wedding feast, but a royal wedding feast for the prince, the king's son. Imagine the invitations and seating charts and guest lists and so on. A sumptuous affair, to be sure. 
But then the guests don't come. How rude. You are invited to a party and you just don't go? This is very strange. Now, a 21st century argument can be made that we are so busy these days that we barely have time to breathe or say our prayers or sit and have dinner with our family, let alone go to parties. So skipping the odd social engagement for time to time is not rude, but an example of self-care. I have a friend who is an extreme introvert, and he has a t-shirt that reads, Sorry, I was late. I didn't want to come in the first place. (laughs) That being said, in the context of this parable in the first century, not attending the royal wedding banquet would have been heinously rude. So what does the king do? Does he slump down in his throne and sulk? And instead, he instructs his servants, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. And they went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But once the party is full, the oddest of all things happens. The king notices that one of his guests is not wearing the proper wedding robe. Perhaps the robe was seersucker and it was after Labor Day. But instead of being understanding, his servants did gather all they could find on the streets, good and bad. The king binds his guest's hands and feet and casts him out into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I bet that king received plenty of host gifts. Kidding aside... Disciples like you and me, we've been scratching our heads at this parable for generations. We like to think of God as a kind God, a generous God, a forgiving God. And thanks be to God, God is often those things. But here, God takes one of his guests and rejects him utterly for the trivial sin of not wearing the proper robe. It seems petty. And I'm afraid biblical scholars cannot explain this one away. The robe is not some metaphor for some mortal sin. The guest was not actually someone genuinely horrible, and so on. Quite plainly, the king dismissed someone for wearing the wrong thing. So how do we digest this parable? How do we best understand it and apply it to our lives here and now? Well, first we must read the parable in context. The reason why we like to think of God as a kind God, a gracious God, and a forgiving God is not because we are in denial about the true nature of God, but because God is a kind God, God is a gracious God, God is a forgiving God. That is, those are great ways to describe God, if I must say so myself. But remember the words of the prophet Isaiah read this morning. On the mountain of the Lord of hosts, He will make all for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wine strained clear. And he will destroy the shroud that is cast over all peoples. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. The disgrace of his people will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. All of us, Crazy, mixed up, 
rejected, forlorn, wounded, messy, crazy. Did I mention crazy? All of us will not be forsaken by God, for the feast is for all peoples. All of our tears will be wiped away. All of our disgraces will be taken away, and death will be swallowed up forever. That is a kind and gracious and forgiving God. But we are not off the hook. We are not meant to just wallow in God's graciousness and revel in his generosity in the vacuum. I heard a delicious idiom from our mother church across the pond. Fine words will butter no parsnips. Instead, as we we abide in God's abundant love, we are called to do something. As our journey with God continues, that something grows and evolves. What that something is, well, that's between you and God. The great Christian writer and monastic Thomas Merton once wrote, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. All of us are invited to God's gracious and generous feast. How will you respond? Amen.